Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Nothing like, there's nothing I like more than driving to Seattle, paying a premium price to see the same movie I could have seen here at home. But it's just better. <laughs> it's all about the experience. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This is episode 78. That's, that's so many. That's what they say. Who says that? Uh, you know, you know them. They? The people that say the things. The them. <laughs> that's a shitty movie. The them? That's a, that's a movie? Isn't it? I think there's a movie called Them, not The Them. Beware of them. Oh, The Them was a band. You're right. Wait, wasn't it The The? There might have been a The The, but I know there was a The Them. What are we, why is this relevant? What are we talking about? Um, welcome back to the show, guys. We have uh, an exciting episode ahead of us. Probably. No. Pro- probably not. <laughs> but we got pizza on the way. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Good old Papa Murples. <laughs> um, you lied to me. You told me you were getting Papa Murples and you got Papa John's. Okay, I need to make sure you know Papa Murples isn't a real thing, right? <laughs> um, it's just a thing we say. It's like Santa Claus. It's how we avoid copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how's it going, Taylor? Oh, you know, the usual. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Yeah. It's exciting times in our lives. Indeed. You're going to thank our Patreon patrons today, or are you going to wait until later like you did last time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so let's start out by thanking our Patreon patrons. Uh, they are Max Zaleski, Skeptical Crypto, Kevin Nesgoda, and The Horror Addicts. Thank you very much, guys. If you would like to become one of our Patreon patrons and have access to a multitude of sort of cool stuff, <laughs> Taylor, where can they go? Patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. All right. Um, so, good stuff. Good, good stuff. How do you feel about... Uh Doherty officially being named director of Godzilla 2. It's fine. I mean, as far as people are fucking stoked. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I like Michael Doherty and it's it's that's cool that he's doing that, but that means even longer that I don't get Trick or Treat 2. Yeah, and I don't really give a shit about Godzilla. Did you hear they uh, cast uh, Millie Bobby Brown? I did see that, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby <laughs> Um, I wonder, I mean, I guess she'll play some kind of girl. In it. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I I don't think they would have cast her if she wasn't going to be playing some kind of lead role. You wouldn't think. Yeah. They'd just get some, some rando. Maybe she'll just be like a psychic who takes down Godzilla. Maybe. <laughs> With her big childish dreams or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> She's going to melt... Uh, Godzilla's icy heart or something. <laughs> His heart grows three sizes that day. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. It was like, yeah, it's going to take longer for Trick or Treat 2 now. Presuming. Yeah, that's, that's all I want. I mean, it's really starting to feel like he's blowing smoke up our asses with that. I mean, granted, he hasn't really talked about it much lately, but he keeps saying, it's like, oh, it's on the way. We're going to get there. It's been over three years since it was announced. Yeah. Our first episode, we announced we announced that it had been That's announced. That's right. So, you know, we're 78 episodes in. Multiply that by two. That's how many weeks it's been. Yeah. 
Actually, more than that because of October Rama. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah, we have taken days off and stuff. So it's been been a hot minute. It's been a lengthy process. Um, and we keep hearing yeah. things like, you know, oh, it's it, I'm scripting it. and it, I have a script that I'm happy with, but, you know, whatever. You know, we've talked about this before. The trick-or-treat graphic novel, to adapt that into film, that'd be perfect. Yeah, pretty much. I just I don't know why they don't just do that. It's already written. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, um, I'm playing Resident Evil. Uh, well, people say it's Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, but nowhere on the case does it say Resident Evil Seven. So it just says Biohazard. It says Resident Evil Biohazard. Oh, so I'm playing that. It's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. I saw your your tweets, right? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been quite an adventure. Um, and you're like, I got captured by the Sawyer family and my fucking hand grew back. (laughs) What? Apparently it was like, I didn't, I couldn't tell at first, but it's been stitched back on, but I've got this cool watch now that kind of looks like a Leela's armband to to cover your scar. No, it doesn't cover the scar, but it, it tracks my vitals now. Oh, so, you know, science (laughs) technology. That's cool, man. Yeah, um, but it, it's it's wild. It's, it's a wild game. It's um, weird, wild stuff. It's uh, all first person. I mean, anybody that's seen anything about the game knows that, which is a new thing for Resident Evil. Um, but the story is just really fucking creepy. I don't I don't fully understand what's going on yet. I mean, I don't think I've gotten far enough into the game yet to know, but. Um, yeah, basically, you're this guy who gets an email from his wife that's been missing for three years. And side note, this guy doesn't seem anywhere near as concerned or uh, or ecstatic about hearing from his wife that he hasn't heard from in three years. But maybe he's pissed off. Maybe she just went to go get cigarettes one day and never came back. And maybe. he was like, you know what? Fuck her. Well, it starts out with this video that she's like, she calls it babysitting, but I think maybe she was caretaking somebody or for somebody anyway so you travel down to this uh this bayou in louisiana somewhere uh and you go into this house that she specifically told you to go to and that's when the shit starts to unravel Hmm. um i've only i mean i've i'm if you think linearly that's not a word linearly if you think in a linear fashion uh I'm probably about two hours into the game. Oh, wow. Um, and, like, I'm just now in- encountering my first monsters. Um, up until that point, it's just been actual people that I've been up against. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the fact that the entire game is very dark. Like, you, you have a flashlight at certain intervals. Like, literally dark. Yeah. Yeah, like you can't really see much outside of the scope of ambient light. <clears throat> like there'll be like rooms with like candles burning, and that's seriously like your only source of light. Um, and it, like I said, it's all first person, so you can't see the whole room like you could in previous Resident Evil games. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the VR fad like i don't really subscribe to it but this game i'd actually really like to play on 
VR. That would probably sound pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I tried to get Max to play it, and he was just not having it. I wonder if Carlos has any kind of VR. I don't know. Maybe. He might. He's got, I mean, he works for Microsoft, so. He does work for Microsoft. And he's all into video games. <laughs> he is into video games. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm having fun with that. Um, there's a lot of people I'm saying, or I'm seeing that like people that have finished the game and now they're like just fiending for the, the DLC. DLC. Yeah. But it's like, God, how often are you guys playing? I mean, granted, I've only played for like an hour at a time, maybe. And I've had to, I had to restart the game because <laughs> when I got my hand cut off, I didn't realize it was part of the storyline. <laughs> like you have to get your hand cut off. It just happens. So I started all over. So like, there's no way to avoid it. It's not like a no. I thought there was. It presents itself as if there's a way to defend yourself, but you can't. Oh, um. So I, uh, yes, yeah, I started all over because I'm like I can't go through the whole game with one hand. This just isn't gonna work. <laughs> but um, yeah, having fun with it, and uh, I'll report back once I finished. Cool. Um. Yeah. Um, I don't really play video games anymore. So yeah, no. I got I got nothing. Yeah, you've got an archaic piece of technology now. <laughs> yeah, but I can't give up my Left for Dead. Right. Yeah. Then that that reasons like that is the reason I still have my PlayStation Three is because I've got so many games, most of which you could probably get like buy online and download onto your PlayStation Four. The Four is not backwards compatible. No. Oh. Um. I think. I think the very first generation was, if I'm remembering right, and I might not be, but all the ones after that aren't. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just got a ton of games that I just don't want to give up. <clears throat> yeah. Because I might suddenly feel I want to play them. <laughs> we need to play Left 4 Dead 2 again. We do. But we need to get really drunk first. Yep. <laughs> it's too bad you don't have like a, a newer one where you can re record um, your gameplay yeah because then we could just get super slammed and put it on Patreon or something <laughs> Josh guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about Terminator eh, if you want to I don't care either way Okay, I mean, James Cameron's coming back to the Terminator franchise, so that's neat. To end it. Yeah. I'll believe I want to see it. <laughs> I mean, if I see this movie at all, I mean, right now it's all kind of speculation. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it's not going to be for a few years if they do anything. Yeah, and like, I don't know what they're going to do about Arnold, because he's old. He's old, <laughs> he's getting saggy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was uh, creative the way that they factored in his age to to Genesis, but didn't they put his face on somebody else's? No, that was um, fuck the one before it with Christian Bale. I can't remember what it's called now. No, not Judgment Day. That was T two. <laughs> I don't know. I don't whatever, remember. whatever it was. Uh, no, this one he was another Terminator that was sent back to when Sarah Connor was a child. And so because he's living flesh over metal, the flesh was aging. 
Uh, so that was kind of a convenient way to factor in his age. Yeah. Um, and then he actually fought like that Terminator fought against the original Terminator from the first movie. Gotcha. So that was something. All right. So, I mean, that's really all there is to say. Well, and Tim Miller. Oh, right. Yeah. Deadpool director. Yeah. Is uh, rumored to be in talks, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the connection is between him and Cameron, but right. But yeah, I mean, Cameron's not directing. He's just, producing and overseeing it yeah they might be writing it i honestly don't know yeah details are pretty thin right now yeah anyway i don't know we'll see yeah. i mean i'm always game for another terminator movie whether or not i'll pay to see it in a theater that's yeah that's the thing anyway horror business horror business Okay, starting out with real world horror, um, we actually had a much more interesting thing to talk about, but because I'm incompetent, that didn't work out. So maybe we'll save it for another time. Hopefully, maybe. Yeah, if it's still relevant. Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> um, but our substitute story starts out in France, um, where wild hamsters have been found to resort to cannibalism which is something disturbing that, I mean, I suppose it happens in nature. I mean, animals eat their kind all the time, but things like... Hey, no, no, tigers eat their young. <laughs> Roddy Dangerfield, everyone. <laughs> um, he just delivered our pizza. <laughs> Times are tough. Especially when you're dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes, wild hamsters in northeast France have resorted to cannibalism. Um, <laughs> they're eating their children, of all things, uh, and are behaving in a dementia-like way thanks to the corn-heavy diet. So apparently corn turns uh, hamsters into cannibals. I guess, but have you seen like rodent feed? Like, if Isn't it have, like 90% corn? It's like it's corn and grains and seeds and shit. Yeah, so <laughs> stop feeding a, your rodents corn, people. Yeah, apparently corn is the rage virus for hamsters. <laughs> yes. What What about corn could possibly prompt this? I don't know, but like it says, not even are they eating their young, but they uh, uh, well, they behave differently, running in circles and climbing and pounding on their feeders. That's it's the fucking rage virus, man. Yeah. Twenty eight hamsters later. I just don't understand what in corn gives them the taste for blood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I guess the corn-eating hamsters also had uh, large swollen tongues and blood so thick that it was difficult for the scientists to test. That sounds like dead blood to me. Yeah. <laughs> fucking zombie hamsters, man. It's fucking twisted. Um. Yeah, uh, improperly cooked maize-based diets have been associated with higher rates of homicide, suicide, and cannibalism in humans. What? In humans? When did this happen? (laughs) 
I eat corn all the time. <laughs> shit. I'm never eating corn again. No shit, man. I mean, for the safety of others. I'm a humanitarian. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. You I'm, fucking hate people. I don't care about other people. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Um, This is crazy. Like, I... Uh, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around this. Why why it would be corn of all things? Yeah, I mean, is it like the uh, like pesticides or I, I don't know, but I mean, you'd think similar or the very same pesticides would be used on other vegetation. True. It's a crazy world we're living in. Fucking zombie hamsters and shit. Yeah. Fucking uh, like full moon or somebody's gonna put out this movie. <laughs> Asylum. Asylum, yeah. <laughs> They'll make them giant hamsters and, yeah, cannibals. <laughs> 28 hamsters later. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hail. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hail. You better come inside, let me teach you how to jive and well. Oh, Tony, are you familiar with the South Korean movie The Wailing? Well, it's apparently very popular. Okay. It comes highly recommended by one Mr. Kevin Nesgoda. Ah. Uh-huh. And it sounds like, as they are wont to do, Hollywood wants to make an American remake. Hollywood. Hollywood kids. Um, more specifically, Ridley Scott's production company, Scott Free. Uh, they're in talks with Fox International Pictures Korea, whose head Hosung Kim said... They said the wailing reminded them of films such as The Exorcist, The Ring, and Seven. The locality and sensibility of the wailing is so strong that I don't think it would be easy to do a Western remake, and it will be important who directs it. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, I mean, they've kind of gotten around things like that by just having them in their original country, just replacing them with white people. (laughs) Yeah, like the, the forest. The forest, yeah. Um, the Wailing is about a foreigner's mysterious appearance in a quiet rural village that causes suspicion amongst the locals, suspicion which quickly turns to hysteria as the townspeople begin killing each other in brutal outbursts for seemingly no reason. Hey, too much corn. <laughs> <laughs> as the investigating officer watches his daughter fall under the same savage spell, he agrees to consult a shaman for answers, unknowingly escalating the situation into something far more dangerous. I don't... S- I, I mean... I haven't seen the original, but that sounds like it'd be easily translated to America. I was just thinking the same thing. Like he says the locality and sensibility is so strong that that doesn't, to me, that sounds like it could take place anywhere. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't really have shamans in America, but you know, you could easily replace that with a a psychic or, you know, even uh, like a A voodoo uh, priest or something. Yeah. (laughs) Or even just a priest. Really? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he maybe thinks a little too much of his of his film. Uh, it could be he could just be very protective of it. It's weird that this is f- a, a Fox subsidiary, but it's not Fox doing it. Good point. Yeah, that is weird. Of course, they're they're more of a studio, and Scott Free is a production company. So that's true. Maybe maybe it will be Fox as the distributor. Just could could very well be. I don't know. Kevin said it was very creepy. Um, 
You know, that description is kind of vague, which I, I assume is probably intentional. It's probably... It, it sounds like a combination of a lot of other movies. Like The Exorcist, The Ring, and Seven? <laughs> yeah, and I'm also thinking, um, oh, God, that one movie with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Modest Yahoo. <laughs> Wait, Modest Yahoo? Yeah, he's a rabbi. Uh, one where the little girl gets the Dybbuk box. I honestly don't know what movie you're talking about. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's It exists. Look it up. <laughs> I promise that it, th- that is a movie. Uh, I don't know. Does this, is this of interest to you? I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about the original. Um, of course, watching a, a South Korean film doesn't really interest me all that much yeah i'm uh, not super into asian horror as it is i'm uh, not not a big fan of ringu and uh you know whatever the the original uh ah fuck the grudge grudge thank you yeah although i mean those were huge in like the early 2000s with you know ring um the grudge uh uh what is it shutter um all, all these all those yeah asian conversion movies that's not the right term asian adaptations the possession is that the movie you're thinking of yes i believe so it's the only horror i see with modest yahoo okay and that's probably the one um yeah i'm but yeah same here i'm not big on the asian horrors they never really done a lot for me you know people just like i don't like the ring movies I don't like the Grudge movies, and people say, oh, well, you got to watch the originals. It's like, but if it's the same movie, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like, going to get better just because it's Asian people instead. As much as I'm, you know, not entertained by the Asian horror, uh, the American remakes are worse in my mind, so. At least they're speaking English so I can actually understand what they're talking about. Well, yeah. Because I <laughs> hate me some subtitles. I know. So um, I don't know. I mean, but it's really Scott, so who knows? But is he involved, or is it just his production company? Yeah, that's another thing. I don't know. Because, I mean, he does, like, his company does TV shows, too, and some of them suck. So, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Could be cool. Could be cool. <laughs> Could be shit. Who knows? <laughs> We're hearing word from iHorror in particular, um, and I think the, the news has spread since then. But. Well, it initially came from Friday the 13th franchise.com. Right. And then iHorror expanded on it. Got it. Um, but we're hearing that, yeah, Friday the 13th, it just might be set for filming, uh, surprisingly enough. I mean, nobody's more shocked than I am. Still haven't heard anything about a script. No. Never heard anything about casting. Not a damn thing. We but know who's going to direct it. That's something. Do we? Uh, Breck, Breck, and Breck, 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 Breck Eisner. Breck and Meyer. Breck and Meyer. <laughs> I wish it was Breck and Meyer. <laughs> um, but we're like we're hearing that apparently um, 
principal photography is set to start on March 20th, apparently, which is pretty ambitious considering unless they've managed to keep it completely under wraps, they have no cast. Who's writing it now? Is it still Guzikowski? Or, I, no, Guzikowski left. I can't keep up. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but it is filming. A, they they set up a, a pre production office. I'm guessing um, in Conyers, Georgia, which is just 12 miles from Covington, Georgia, where they shot Jason Lives. The best one. The best one. Uh, if With you that ha- badass clock tower. Right. If you haven't read my article. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, worst uh, worst to first. Um, I will explain to you exactly why that is the best one. Let's go check it out on our website. It says writers Nick Antosca and Aaron Guzikowski. I know Antosca definitely left. Okay. So I I don't know whose script they're using, or if they're if Guzikowski is rewriting Antosca's. I I couldn't even begin to tell you. I have no clue. I thought Antosca's was the one that was set in the 80s that they decided not to go with. When the other, the VHS guy was going to direct. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't know. This is one of those stories that's been going on for so long. And so many different people have come and gone. Exactly. It's yeah. hard to keep it all straight. Um, it's filming, apparently, under the code name Forrest Green, which anybody who has seen Jason Lives know that that was the renamed town of Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, this has uh, been confirmed by the Georgia Film and Music website, which lists a film titled that for Paramount. Um, it doesn't necessarily confirm that this is it, but it definitely confirms that Paramount is working on a film t- titled Forest Green, and then iHorror's sources right. said that this is filming under the title Forest Green. So, put two and two together, I and don't even know. if even if one of those pieces of information were missing, like it's pretty obvious. I mean, to, it's called like, Forest Green. That was the town. That was what they renamed Crystal Lake. What else could a movie called Forest Green be? Like, a, right? You know, are they? I mean, I guess they adapted Legos into a movie. Maybe they're adapting Crayola. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's a bit of a reach, but sure. <laughs> um, I guess the studio wants to wrap by May 29th, which, again, is very ambitious, considering they are not... They're not... They haven't done anything. I mean... They, <laughs> I mean, that's that's two months of filming. And then that gives them five months for post-production if they wanted to put this out in October. Right. Which all of that is incredibly ambitious, which very likely might be their drop dead date because if they are insistent on putting it out on a Friday the 13th, that's their last chance because at the end of 2017, Paramount loses the rights back to Warner brothers or yeah, Warner brothers or, you know, back to new line. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Sean S Cunningham and, um, Oh, Christ, what's his name? Um, oh, right, uh, Victor Miller. They're going to war in court next year. Yeah. So this is their last shot. I mean, if they want to get a movie out, then it's got to happen now. I mean, of course, if, if they don't want to shackle themselves to putting the movie out on a Friday the 13th, if there's an, that gives them an extra two months, but they haven't shown any desire to do that yet. Yeah, yeah nobody told them they have to put a movie out on Friday the 13th. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like we said, this is very ambitious, but we'll see. We will see. 
So we've got some more updates on season two of Stranger Things, which is a, the best show that Netflix has ever done. So strange. <clears throat> so things. Yep. So many things. It's all kinds of things, but mostly the stranger ones. <laughs> <laughs> According to David Harbour, who plays Sheriff Hopper on the show, on the Fantasy Cruise. Grasshopper. Fantasy. Get it? Fan to sea. I got it. The fans go to the sea because it's a cruise, but it sounds like fantasy. Oh, I got it. Yeah, because I explained it to you. Flash <laughs> <laughs> for fantasy. Uh, Sheriff Hopper says, we have Sean Astin, which we knew. <clears throat> He's Winona's new boyfriend, much to the chagrin to the chief of police. We didn't know that. We did not know that he was going to play, what's her name, Laura? No. When, oh, Jew. Ju, not you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I forget. I'm not good. Joyce. That. Yes. Yeah. He plays Joyce. Rudy plays Joyce's boyfriend. Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that Rudy. <laughs> Theo. Not, not Rudy Huxtable. Because <laughs> if if it was Rudy Huxtable and he was my nose boyfriend, he said much to the chagrin of the chief of police, you'd be like, well, that's racist. <laughs> But it sounds like it might have a little love triangle going on. Ew. Scandalous. <laughs> Saucy. Uh, Harper also says that it's a year later in the story, so there are several things that happened last year, like Will has come back. There are certain people in the town that know what happened, and then certain people that don't know what happened. <laughs> okay. So there's is, a lot of funk. <laughs> it's, it's a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or maybe he had dysentery. Who knows? He said, so there's a lot of fallout with who knows what. Well, so is he, wait, is he saying there's a lot of fallout with who knows what per se? Or is he, there's a lot of fallout with who knows what? There's a lot of fallout with something. I'm sure it's one of those things. <laughs> Either of those scenarios could be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also said that the Justice for Barb movement will be addressed but, brace yourselves, Barb's not coming back, folks. She's fucking dead. She's fucking dead. Get over it. Uh, Harbor said, the question and the feelings that Nancy has that no one has ever cared about her friend Barb are very much present in the beginning of the season. <laughs> Clearly like, not art imitating life. Yeah. Like, oh, I miss Barb so much. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Barb, she was my best friend. She died last year. Oh, that boring girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. The boring girl with the ugly glasses. <laughs> she looked like a fucking grandma, but she was like 17. Her? <laughs> oh. That's coming back for another season, apparently. Is it? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Mitch uh, Hurwitz. Hurwitz, thank you. Um, he was... Talking dropped. about Arrested Development, for those that don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess he said that the, they've got everybody anxious to go. So. On Netflix again? Yeah. Noise. I think it's going to be go, going back to like the linear good style. Yeah, that... that, that uh, I want to see the recut version of that because apparently he recut that season to be chronological. Yeah, I, I assumed that they were going to like come out with like a DVD or a Blu-ray collection, and they never did. 
I, I assumed it was going to be on there, but well, anyway. well. Speaking of Netflix, fucking Stranger Things coming back for season two. Is it? It's filming now, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. And Barb will not be back. So shut up. So fuck it. <laughs> Quit talking about her. <laughs> Nobody cares about Barb. Too many people care about Barb. I don't get it. <laughs> Are we done with that? Unless you had something else to say. Uh, no, not really. Then yeah. All right. All right, so shout out to listener Anthony Apollo for giving us a clue to this one. Um, Thanks, Apollo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, the follow-up movie from the creators of the ABC uh, ABCs of Death series, The Field Guide to Evil, is on its way. Um, it's going to uh, unveil a series of myths, lore, and folk tales that have been ca- uh, that have that have captivated. Okay, um, that took me a second. Laundry's done. Thanks. Uh, oh, that's that's a not done with that <laughs> sentence. Um, <laughs> that's a comma, bro. It will unveil a series of myths, lore, and folk tales that have captivated, galvanized, and frightened communities throughout history. Um, so it kind of sounds a lot like what will probably be the screen adaptation of the podcast lore. Mm, good call. You know, this is a film. It is a film. A film. A film. Uh, eight talented genre filmmakers from around the globe are bringing these ominous, ominous, onomatopoeia, onomatopoeia uh, tales to life. Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala uh, from Goodnight Mommy fame. Peter Strickland, They're German. Yes. Okay. Uh, Peter Strickland from the Duke of Burgundy, or the director of Duke of Burgundy. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> and oh, I think I think it's Agnieszka. Okay, Smo, uh, Smozinska. Sure. Uh of the lure. Are you, have you heard about the lure? No. It looks like it's like a horror version of Splash. So it looks like a mermaid. Story. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Catherine Gibby or Gibby from Nothing Bad Can Happen. Can Evernall of Baskin. Baskin, Baskin, Baskin. I know that. I've, I've heard of Baskin. They have ice cream, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 31 flavors. Right. <laughs> Isn't Baskin the name? Or no, it's Baskets. I was thinking of that Zach Val Califinex show. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Can Evernall is Turkish, I believe. Okay. Uh, Kavlin Reader of The <clears throat> Procedure. I believe he is American. Okay. Uh, Yanis Vislemis, Greek. He's Greek, but he directed a movie called Norway. Right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, and Ashim Ahualia. Aluwalia. Aluwalia. Okay. Let's go with that. Uh, of uh, Miss Lovely. That was a struggle. <laughs> Why'd you do that to me? <laughs> you know, I can't pronounce names. <clears throat> Um, producers are, they include Tim League, the founder of the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, and Ant Timpson, who produced, produced the anthology series, The ABCs of Death, and uh, feature films 
like Turbo Kid, Deathgasm, Housebound, and The Greasy Strangler. All right, I'm in. I yeah. fucking love all four of those movies. That's a pretty good ro- roster. Uh, I haven't, I still haven't seen Turbo Kid. <laughs> oh my god, Turbo Kid is fucking amazing. I love it so much. I know you say it's really good, but it I'm is, just not in a big hurry to watch it. You should be. I've seen it like three times already. I'm I, lapping you. <laughs> oh. Um. Uh, no, I mean, sorry. All right, never mind. <laughs> Forget it. Forget I said anything. I don't know what's going on in my life. Turbo Kid Two is coming out too. Turbo Kid Two 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 Turbo Kid and a Two Two. Um, they're crowdfunding this through Indiegogo. Um, and I think they did the same for ABCs of Death, right? You know, I don't know. I could swear I remember those being crowdfunded. Uh, you're getting equity in the film, which I can only assume is mean you get a, a share of the profits. That's typically what equity means, usually. But the minimum, which is, which is interesting for a crowd <coughs> crowdfunding campaign, that's not not a normal thing. No, it's it's not. You usually get like a T-shirt, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but the minimum investment is one hundred dollars. Which, you know, for people like us, that's not necessarily a drop in the bucket. That's right. <laughs> um, but you do, they do have perks on top of it. Fucking perks, dude. <laughs> you get some fucking perks set. <laughs> that's what they send you. Um, as of right now, they are at $75,338 of a what goal? I want to say it was 100000 100000 Oh, Two hundred to five hundred thousand. What? What? That's what it says. I don't know. Is it two hundred or five hundred, or somewhere in between? It's somewhere in between. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, that's a it's a big range. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, two hundred thousand and five hundred thousand are both large sums of money. So it's three hundred thousand. But so yeah, so three hundred thousand. <laughs> uh, yeah, hundred dollars get you a digital download. Most expensive digital download of all time. No shit. $250 to get a Blu-ray slash DVD. Uh, $350 to get a shirt. Although it's it's a Mondo tee. Okay. Not worth $350. No. <laughs> I mean, I love independent film, and I'm a f- firm supporter of it, but for $100 or more, I just I can't make that work. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that you get equity in the movie. But... Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's for people better off than we are. Right, that's hella dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to get your name in the credits is twenty five hundred dollars. Fuck me. If I'm buying equity, why don't I get my name in the credits? Yeah. I can't imagine it costs that much to put somebody's name in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it probably costs like I'll do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> I will make a credit reel for you. Yeah. Uh, so that's happening. Yeah. Um, if you want to donate, if you have a hundred bucks or more to, to support this film, um, you can go to equity.indiegogo.com slash offering slash field hyphen guide hyphen two. And that's the word two T O hyphen evil. And we'll put that link in our show notes too. Right. So, uh, Support independent <clears throat> film, yeah, and be become an investor, and it, 
essentially an executive producer, but with no credit. Right. Unless you paid $2,500. Yeah. But, you know, make that money. So Francis Ford Coppola of the California Coppolas. Mm, I've heard of them. Yes. Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas Nicholas Coppola. Coppola. <laughs> oh, ah, oh. <laughs> uh, Watch your mouth, hair gel. <laughs> I praise. <laughs> he has confirmed that his production company, American Zoetrope, is uh, currently developing a video game based on his film, Apocalypse Now. I would not think of that game as translating to a video game, or that bit movie of translating to a video game. You know, I wouldn't either. But, you know, what do I know? <laughs> not much. I don't know anything. Uh, he referred to the game's development team as New Daredevils and said that the game will closely follow the film's plot. Uh, players will control Captain Willard, and your starting mission is to find AWOL Star Officer Colonel Kurtz reportedly whiling away in Cambodia and terminate him with extreme prejudice. Okay. Uh, he's developing this in conjunction with Killspace Entertainment, a studio Lawrence Liberty of Fallout New Vegas co-founded with Montgomery Markland. Uh, Markland recently produced PC RPGs Wasteland 2 and Torment Tides of Numera. It's described as a first-person psychedelic survival horror game. Which is not the first thing I would think of with Apocalypse Now. Um, I, I, I can see that. Psychological I mean, horror? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, war as hell. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Especially Vietnam. Or not Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam. Right? Viet goddamn fucking Nam! <laughs> Um, bringing things back around to the beginning of the show, Liberty says that recent survival horror release Resident Evil 7 is closely comparable, though his interactive take on Apocalypse Now will have less tension. He said, we want Willard to feel powerful at times to a degree that he can be capable of doing remarkable things as long as you, the player, are smart enough about it. Mm, okay. I mean, I, you know, I see less tension and that's like, okay, well, you're eliminating like 50% of the fun of the game. Right. But I, I can see the the motivation behind it. Like you you want to think you want to let him think he's doing well and then tear him down. <laughs> right. That's how things work. I got to I got to watch um Apocalypse now again. I I haven't seen that in a long time. I like that the uh the music is Daniel Bryan's theme song. Okay. What? Yes. 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 Dan O'Brien's theme song is right, right of the Valkyries. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> um, even though Francis Ford Coppola is behind this, they're crowdfunding it because that's how you get things made nowadays. Well, apparently, um, it's currently on Kickstarter. They have uh, plans to put it out on Windows PCs but also list console ports as stretch goals. So, hmm. 
if you want to have this on your PlayStation, you really got to kick in some money. I don't want it that bad. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I I love supporting these independent projects. Um, it's a little harder to get behind it when you've got a big name like Francis Ford Coppola behind it. Um, in 2020, <clears throat> Jesus. Yeah, uh, early access release in 2019. Uh, crowdfunders can access by paying more. And the final commercial release in 2020. As of this recording, they are sitting at $129,232 out of a $900,000 goal. Well, some of the perks you can receive are um, digital copy of the game for $35, um, <clears throat> 4K wallpapers, and a digital novel for $50 in addition to the game. Okay. Um, all that plus a making of documentary, a special ops field manual, art of the river book, and a strategy guide. Um, it's going to be $95 if you want a physical copy of the game. That's a lot of money. That is. I mean, like Friday the 13th, which is hopefully coming out here in the next few months. Um, you know, I paid like 50 something bucks for, it's not a physical copy. It's a digital download, but I mean, a digital copy is only 35. Oh, is, okay. But well, even, even more so then to pay that much for a physical copy. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much they're looking for in order to get the console release. I don't see that here. Hmm. Well, good luck to them. But I mean, if you want to, uh, you know, just go ham, you can pledge ten thousand dollars. I don't want to do that. And get two collector's edition copies of the game, ten collector's edition games. Wait, collector's edition. <coughs> Wait, doesn't make any sense. Two. Collector's Edition box of Apocalypse Now game. 10 Apocalypse Now Collector's Edition game. <laughs> what? I think maybe you get two physical copies and 10 digital copies. I think that's what it is. Mm. Access to Apocalypse Now beta. Access to Apocalypse Now alpha. Early access to the game. Digital copy of the soundtrack. Digital copy of the movie. Digital novels. Colonel Kilgore's death cards. Special edition poster, Charlie Don't Surf t-shirt, military advisor patch, limited edition Doolung challenge coin, Captain Benjamin L. Willard's dog tags, personalized dog tags, secret radio broadcast, military maps and order, spec ops field manual of Captain Benjamin Willard, game box signed by game leads, multiple tours medals, uh, Vietnam survival go bag, top secret dossier. Holy shit, this is a lot of stuff. $10,000, you better get a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not reading all that, all the rest of that. Okay, I good. read too much. I don't, want you to <laughs> I don't want you to list it all. Uh, if you want to check that out, go to kickstarter.com slash project slash fringe writer slash apocalypse hyphen now hyphen the hyphen the hyphen game. So hyphen the hyphen. Hyphen the hyphen game. Um, and we will put that in our show notes as well. Hyphen. Hyphen. Just, just put it in our show notes. I will. Do it! 
<laughs> Do it now. <laughs> and that's it for horror business. That's all. We made it. Hey. Good for us. We stopped and had pizza in the middle. We did have pizza. You guys didn't even notice <laughs> because we paused it. Ah. Magic of editing. <laughs> okay, now. So we'll go to the rest of the show, which involves <clears throat> reviews. Okay, we got two movies to talk about. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with The Axe Murders of Velisca. Pretty exciting day for me. We will be visiting the Velisca Axe Murder House. Where are we going exactly? Velisca? <laughs> We're ghost hunters. Yes. Hunt ghosts! Welcome to the Velisca Axe Murder House. This way. Eight people, six of them kids, got their heads smashed in in 1912. Toads cray balls. They caught the killer, right? No. It was kind of lame. These things are all hype anyways. No, we just didn't see the whole thing. Maybe we could take our own tour later tonight. Follow me. Hey, let's take a picture. What was that? What happened? What are you doing with a machete? Nothing is safe. What do you do? Take this! This is in you! If I get murdered, it's totally your fault. Oh, please. Nothing ever happens in Iowa. So this is based on a true story. Based on. <laughs> Let's highlight that. Now, I thought initially that the true story they were talking about was just the story at the beginning from 1912. But if you watch through the credits, there's a picture of what seemed to be like a, the real life version of these three kids. So I took that to be like maybe like the director and his friends or something. I suppose it could be. I, I, I didn't did, research it. I mean, it was just, it was two guys and a girl in a pizza place. And the, <laughs> the girl's holding a Ghostbusters patch or yeah. sticker or something. And, you know, like, I, I had the same thought. But then, like, at two different points in the credits, it said any likeness to any person living or dead is purely coincidental. That's true. So, it's like, they'd have to be, like, directly contradicting that. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I don't know. I don't know who they are. And I, I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find anything saying that this was actually something that happened. Mm. So, I think, like, real ghost hunters do go to this place. I, oh, I yeah. No, it was on Ghost Adventures with Douchebaggins. Ah, uh, of course it was. And uh, 
He had to so, spread his douchebaggery. So, yeah. So when I say based on a true story, I mean they took a true story and they used it as a plot device. Right. Not actually the story itself. No. Like, we were, we were sitting here watching with my wife, which is a rare occurrence. Um, and the only reason she was interested in it was because she's listened to several podcasts about the murder house. Not this one. Huh? Not this one. Not this one? Yeah. She doesn't listen to us. No, no. She doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> she hates you. <laughs> she probably hates me. She keeps telling me she wants a sweater or a, a hoodie. I'm like, you don't even fucking listen to the show. You tell don't her, get a hoodie. Tell her you'll put a, a discount code in the next episode and then see if she listens. <laughs> but then I could it, do that. Then everyone would get the discount code. We don't want everyone to have a discount. No. You got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> movie. Uh, in 1912... Uh, and an entire family and two house guests were brutally murdered with an axe. Hence the name, Axe Murders of Velisca. Right. Because it takes place in Velisca, Iowa. Yes. Yes. And so, um, to this day, there no one has been tried, well, that no one has been convicted of the murders. Right. Because they're, if even if they... Found out who it was. That person's probably dead. Well, by this point, yes. <laughs> They'd have to be over 100 years old. Right. Assuming it's like a it was an infant or something. Well, no, 1912 was over 100 years ago. Well, no, I'm saying like uh, they'd have to be like even older if it were an adult. Oh, yes. Much older. Probably like 135. Yeah, they'd probably have to be like the oldest living person in the world. Probably. It's pro- it was probably the oldest living person in the world. It's probably them. Are we looking at this person, people? I think we should. They've kept themselves alive with the blood of innocence. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Lion McPoyle killed all these people. I found out his name is... uh, Oh, shit. I forgot his name. Sean Whalen. Right. Is that actor's name? He's He's the got milk guy. Yeah. He's the guy who kind of looks like he's probably related to Kevin Bacon. Right. But he's not. But he's like Kevin Bacon's really ugly cousin. Yeah. He's also Druggy Dougie. <laughs> Druggy Dougie. So he killed all these people, according to this movie. Right. Yeah. And now, uh, 105 years later, this group of kids are going to go to the Velisca murder house to uh, have some kind of paranormal investigation because they're a at-home paranormal investigation company. Right. And they come from a town called Maryville, Iowa, Mm -hmm. which I looked into. Not a real place. Oh, it's not? There's a Marysville, Iowa, which is on, like, Villisca is, like, in the northern part of the state, and Marysville is in the southern part. So. So they're pretty far apart. Yeah. But they're not from there. They're from Maryville. (laughs) Which is not a place. No. (laughs) Why do that? I don't know. Like, maybe Marysville's like, no, no. We don't want to be part of that. Yeah. Leave us out of this. Yeah, so Caleb uh, just got his GED, and he's ready to go off to Omaha and go work for his uncle. Just really grab life by the balls. And then his best friend is Denny, who is, from what I gather, the town's only homosexual. It does seem that way. 
And he's the one that's really like all about this paranormal investigation stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's this new girl at, from school, Jessica, who is being ridiculed because the school bully posted a sex tape of her on the internet. Right. What this has to do with anything, I don't know. But this is what the first two thirds of the movie is about. <laughs> the plot of this movie is very tenuous. Is there one? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe somewhere. So they take a road trip to Villisca. They take a tour from Uncle Rico. <laughs> and then uh, Jessica steps over one of the velvet ropes, which is a big no-no. Yeah, the bounce, No matter where you are. The bouncer will throw you out for that. Which does happen. Some giant woman comes out of nowhere. Screams in her face. She's like, that's what she says. And then Uncle Rico's like, you gotta go. (laughs) So they leave. Then they decide they're gonna break in later that night and have have a real, real paranormal investigation. (laughs) Yeah. They're gonna take a real tour. And so they break in through the cellar. And then uh, the, the bully who posted the sex tape and his big gangly friend they follow them and they break into the house as well <clears throat> and they decide they're apparently going to kill them i guess i guess because home dude's got a butterfly knife that he's just like yeah he 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 uses it like it's like his gimmick like that's that's, <laughs> that's his thing shtick. that's how people know him is he's the, <laughs> he's the butterfly, butterfly knife. Like, he's the butterfly knife guy <laughs> um so yeah, they break in, and then pretty soon there's some ghosts, and uh, <laughs> a bunch of creepy stuff happens. And yeah, a bunch a bunch of stupid creepy stuff happens that is dumb. So this movie, like similar to the 2005 remake of Amityville Horror, does a thing that I personally cannot stand, which is that it shows the ghosts. Be, well, I mean, you know, ghost movies show ghosts. That's a that's a thing that happens in the world. <laughs> <laughs> ghost movies should not show ghosts because you should feel like you're there and how often do people see ghosts it's normally just a feeling or a sense or something you hear or a bunch of bullshit <laughs> or a bunch of bullshit often um like when douche baggins he's like oh something touched my arm it's like no it didn't you're stupid <laughs> yeah and then he has people scratch him with a rake for the show <laughs> Oh, this demon scratched my back. Oh, God. I hate that guy. Stupid Jinko asshole. (laughs) But this movie feels like it's for people who like that show. Right. Yeah, definitely is. And like, as I start, because my mom, or not my mom, wow, my wife. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Um, She's super into those ghost shows. Um, and, uh, I thought that that being kind of the theme of the show or the movie that she might be interested, but we're sitting there watching it and she's just like, nope, that's, that's not what happened. Cause she was like, like I said, analyzing it more from the historical aspect of it. She's being all pedantic about it. Right? <laughs> no, that's inaccurate. Not that bad, but.
the fuck was that? <laughs> Sounded like somebody humping. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently this house possesses you and turns your eyes black and then you need to kill people. Yeah, it's... I feel like we need to explain this movie like all the way through just so we can highlight how much sense it doesn't make. Yeah, like they they start going through the different rooms and they ha- start having visions of all these terrible things that happened in their life. Yeah. Uh, Denny's mom died. Um, Caleb was forced to rob a convenience store with his dad. Right. Um, Jessica fucked on tape and had it put on the internet. Mm-hmm. And Always ill advised. Yeah. Uh, so, so they start having these visions of these things happening, and then that somehow takes over their mind. And like I said, their eyes turn all black, and then they suddenly have this desire to kill. Yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. No, no idea why. It's some kind of evil entity, but it never really goes into that. <clears throat> It never really says anything beyond that. Like, no, like they, the the ghosts. You you see one older girl ghost, and then one little girl ghost. Right, and the little girl ghost kind of, um, she she says like everything here is a lie or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's like you're supposed to be given the the impression that there's some kind of like, like big, like I said, evil entity that that possesses this house or something but it's like you know you think of something like like poltergeist where there's like this entity the beast yeah but to to a degree that's explained like what the beast is yeah this n- nothing you're supposed to just assume it's like just some random demon or the devil or is it the house itself like you you really have no idea yeah which, I mean, Amityville Horror, you didn't really really know what that was. You just knew there was a dark entity. I suppose that's true. I, yeah, hadn't thought of that. Th- those are kind of the two movies that I think this this movie draws a lot of inspiration from. is Poltergeist and Amityville Horror. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's even like a Poltergeist reference in it. Was it? Oh, right. She says something about the uh, burial graves or something. She's just like the, in the movie Poltergeist. Well, she never refers to it by name. She says, oh, yeah, that movie with the haunted or where the, the house takes the little girl or something like that. Something to that effect. I thought she said Poltergeist. Because okay. I, I remember thinking like, oh, it was just like Poltergeist. And then she said it. I could swear that they, she like she didn't say Poltergeist and like it seemed like she didn't say it on purpose. Oh, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think she said little girl broken TV. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, TV wasn't broken. It actually worked too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about this one. It's, I mean, the acting's not bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's fine. I mean, it's passable. Yeah. Um, the effects were decent. There's not a lot to go on. Um, most of the, the axe murders take place off screen. And yeah. you just see kind of a lot of blood splash. And apparently, like he he kept the 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 guy in the beginning was Sean something Waylon Sean Waylon. He uh, he he bludgeons them. He doesn't like chop them with the sharp side of the axe. He hits them with the blunt side. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that is actually 
accurate. Only. Yeah, that's what I would tell. Oh, the, the, I think the father, he hit him with the, the axe, with the blade. Something like that, yeah. Like one person got hit with the blade and everybody else got hit at the blunt side. Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, it seems like it'd be way less effort to just hit him with the sharp end and be done with it. You would think. But he hit him like so many times. So many times. <laughs> um, yeah, I was not too keen on this. Mainly because it's like I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, eh, okay. Eventually this is going to start making sense. <laughs> it well, just never did. See, I watched it thinking, okay, eventually something's going to happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's honestly like the last half hour is when like it starts getting into this supernatural and when there's that's when the ghosts start showing up. That's when people start, you know, kind of going after each other. It's literally the last half hour. Yeah. I mean, there's a point where, um, oh shit, I, I can only remember the girl's name. Oh, there's, there's Jess, Denny, and Caleb. Caleb. So, okay. Jess and Caleb are both possessed. Um, and there's something about mirrors. It seemed like when you look in a mirror, it kind of snaps you out of it. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, again, not really explained. Um, and Jess is possessed by the whatever it was. And she's like down on the ground, like on her knees. She hands Caleb the axe, who's also possessed. And it's like she's basically sitting there, like waiting for him to hit her with the axe, mm -hmm. and basically like, sacrifice her. To something. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. It's like, I'm sitting there like trying to figure out, it's like, did I miss something? I mean, are they doing this for some reason? Has something in the backstory been explained why this is happening? And it's just like, no, this is completely out of left field. Yeah. It's all just like a lot of chaos. Yeah. And also, no one seems to notice when other people are possessed. Right. At one point, Denny is talking to Caleb. Caleb's got fucking eyes black as coal. And two voices. Yeah, he's got this like super reverb on his voice. Yeah, he's like doing that uh, talking version of those monks that like, like <laughs> but you know, in, in a speaking way. Yeah, <laughs> that thing. He's doing that. <laughs> I can't remember. There's a name for it. I can't remember what it is. And he's just like, hey, Denny, fucking take a walk. I don't like you. Yeah. And Denny's like, oh. Well, no, he he's like. Basically implying it's like uh, you're only my friend because you want to fuck me. Yeah. Because Denny's a homosexual. And Denny's just kind of like, oh, dude, no, it's not <laughs> cool. And then walks away and it never questions like, why are you saying this? Yeah. <laughs> why would you all of a sudden say this? Yeah. Like, and aside from all the other weird shit that's going down on this house, he never once suspects that something is wrong with Caleb. I mean, weird voice and black eyes aside. He's absolutely not acting like himself. Yeah. And he also, like, when he sees his mom, he's just like, oh, I missed you. Yeah. It's like, dude, you know your mom's dead. Right. And the weird thing was, is for some reason, Denny's the only one that has been affected. He was very, very, very briefly. Yeah, but then he snapped out of it and never kind of never went back. Yeah, why? I don't know. He just stopped. He stopped being possessed. Yeah, he's, I'm cool now. Uh, maybe the demon didn't like gay people. Oh, homophobic demon. They're going to get letters. <laughs> Dear demon. <laughs> Care of hell. 
P.O. Box 666. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this, like this, the, the movie itself, like as, as a whole, just really made no sense. Um, things were just happening and it's, you're just sitting there like, why is that happening? And then it just really falls apart at the end. Yeah. It's like somehow the house just combusts. Like it's suddenly the fire starts. I think one of the candles fell over or what candles they lit candles when they were t- but the man the fire started on the mantle and there were no candles up there i thought there was no he like he like destroyed the mirror and then a fire started unless <laughs> i missed something i don't know i don't remember yeah it just the 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 I feel like maybe they had to come up with an ending, and that's just what happened. That's so many of these ghost movies are like that, though. Yeah, where it's like, all right, now what? We need <laughs> we need to wrap it up. It's like, okay, house explodes. Okay, yeah, I don't have anything better. Like Poltergeist, it's like after all that stuff happens, and the house just implodes on itself. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like that was really phoned in, guys. Yeah, it was very anticlimactic. <laughs> I was expecting more. Especially after my time investment here. Yeah, and, my, it, and my money. I fucking paid for this damn thing. Yeah. And then at the end, it says that the Moore house is still standing to this day. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I won't give away the ending because I'm not a douche, but. Um, yeah. And then it, the really weird part is it says in 2014, some guy in the broke into the Moore house and stabbed himself in the chest several times. And this, this was unrelated to that. Yeah. But that was supposed to be like something that actually happened. Right. Yeah. It was, it said any, any, uh, similarities to that incident is purely coincidental. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And my thought was like, you made this movie in 2016. <laughs> yeah. But I think my wife said something very similar to that. It's like, but this movie just came out. Yeah. It's like, you knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how is it it's hard to call it a similar. coincidence when you knew already about that incident yeah so I don't know this wasn't bad really but it just wasn't interesting yeah um, it was very the most interesting part is like the first five minutes when it shows what happened in 1912. Right. And then after that, it's just like the, you know, to break it down into three acts, the first act is all character development that really is inconsequential. Mm-hmm. These characters, like their lives really could be anything. I guess, you know, you have all these kids with trauma, and which, but I mean, you know, you could have fucking circus clowns and it wouldn't make this movie any different <laughs> it might make it worse well if they were like in clown paint just like <laughs> oh ghost. sad crying clown <laughs> i gotta run away squeak 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 <laughs> um because they have squeaky shoes no i got it because they're clowns <laughs> yeah and then the second act is them going to this fucking house and not really accomplishing anything, just going there. 
Yeah, I don't know. They tried to use them like divining rods, but aside from that, that was like the only like attempt to contact the other side that they made. And I love how like he takes his backpack and he's like, I got everything we need right here. Machete. <laughs> what? <laughs> you gonna machete the ghosts? Yeah. And then at one point Caleb has it when he's possessed. And Danny comes out, and he's like, dude, why do you have my machete? <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> and then he just takes it. Nothing happens. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really got nothing else. No, me neither. Oh, yeah. And then the third act is just this weird assortment of ghosts doing things. Right. And possessed people not killing each other. Yep. Just being creepy. <laughs> Just stuff happening. <laughs> the 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 story of the Velisca axe murders seems so interesting, and this is what they make a movie out. Yeah, I I just don't know. There there was a lot more potential here. I mean, just what my wife was telling me about it. It's like, oh yeah, I could see that making a cool movie. Yeah, this was not it. <laughs> Like I, they should have taken more inspiration from like The Shining. Sure, yeah. I could see that working much better than what they ended up doing. Right. Or they could have, you know, actually had something happen. Sure, yeah. Instead of just these kids sitting around looking for ghosts, not finding any, and then getting possessed. Right. Neat stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've said my piece. Yep, me too. Um, uh, I'm willing to give it a four, but I'm not going any higher than that. Yeah, I think I'll do the same. Say four, because it's like, like we said, it's not a terrible movie. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, while you're watching it, you're, it's engaging, I guess. Sure. But then when it's over, you're just kind of like, what did I watch? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like when it was nearing the end, like I'm trying to kind of like go over it in my head and put everything together. Like, wait a minute, this didn't make any sense. <laughs> like this this plot like dropped itself so many times. So, yeah, but it's like while you're watching it, you're you're into it. But then when it's over, it's just like <sighs> That it left no impression on me. Right. Well, so two fours then. Right? Two two fours. All right. Pair of fours. Ace high. There's no ace. There's no ace. <laughs> okay. So next up is another movie that just came out. Um. This year, right? Not not late last year. I think it like year. just came out like a, a week or two ago. Okay, I thought so. Uh, it's the movie Pitchfork. Thanks for coming. It means a lot. Mom, Dad, this is the gang. It's like the breakfast club just puked in my lawn. You know, don't get me wrong, guys. My parents are good people. Oh, I'm sure they all are. Come on, people. We have to have fun this trip. This is our last big shindig before wedding. Ah! What the hell was that? That sounded like someone dying. 
this is the country. What's normal? Daddy. What is it? Forgot to check in my closet. Okay, so Pitchfork is, like I said, came out this year. Um, it's the directorial debut of Glenn Douglas Packard. Now, let me tell you something about Glenn. He's a choreographer by trade. Oh. Which informs a lot about how this movie was shot. <laughs> um, but we'll get into that. <laughs> um. Stories about Hunter. He he's recently come out of the closet, and apparently he needs his entire group of like I've seen it described as painfully diverse <laughs> friends. Yeah, they're a fucking motley crew. It's ridiculous. It's like there isn't a gang of friends on the planet like this. How are these people friends? Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got Hunter, who is a, a gay white guy. You've got, um, oh, shit. I'm totally spacing on, like, all of these names. Um, yeah, me too. You've got Gordon, who's an Indian guy. Like, like, like. Not an exchange student, but like he's he's from India. Um, I think it's Rocky, Rocky and Janelle who are, uh, I think they're black. I think so. Um, he was very light skinned though. Yeah. Um, and you've got the British girl. Yeah, got Lennox, the British Lennox. girl, and Flo, who's like just the skanky chick, I guess, who wears like a unitard. Right. Um. And then you've got uh, Claire and Matt, who are just like the towheads. Yeah, <laughs> they're, bas- they're basically just the the Aryans in the group. They're the jocks. Yeah. Um. So they all show up at Hunter's parents' place in r- rural Michigan. Uh, they're rural, rural Michigan. Um, they like own a farm out there, which was. The surprise to me, I, I had no idea there's farmland in Michigan. Oh, really? I mean, I guess I guess I could suspect there was, but I just never really thought about it. Yeah. Um, it's in Detroit. Down, <laughs> downtown Detroit. <laughs> there are bears there. <laughs> um, That's why the schools have guns. <laughs> <laughs> so they go f- 
they roll up to his family farm in their rolling up fucking panel van, <laughs> fucking Scooby Doo van, right? Which is just decorated to death with like rainbows and shit and like. It like, says honk if you're horny on the door. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's like is this 1976 or right? And it's like yeah, r- rainbows and like uh, you know, hearts, fluorescent colors, and like pro pro gay slogans and stuff like love is love and type, stuff written on the side. It's like who the fuck are these people? <laughs> these are cartoon characters. <laughs> um, and then. <sighs> So Hunter, he came out to his parents over the phone, and this is the first time he's seeing them. And so, yeah, he needs the support of all of his friends. Like, if you came out as gay and you needed some support to tell your parents, how many people would you bring with you as as a support system? Well, I'd bring my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) You'd probably Um, bring like one or two people. Yeah. Yeah. This guy brought like six. People I actually might not bring any, or the or that. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, so they show up, and like these are these people are terrible actors. Oh yeah, and they're all standing in front of this van like fucking superheroes, or like <laughs> you know what it is. Like when I said that this was directed by a, a choreographer, and I have to imagine he had a lot of input, or you know picked his cinematographer because this is shot like a fucking music video oh yeah with a lot of like like panning dolly shots and like uh pull it like uh you know white wide to tight shots and vice versa and like like, low angles yeah and it keeps doing it like when they're all when they roll up to his farm and his parents come out to meet him actually his dad's sitting on the porch doing nothing like he's waiting for something he's porched he's porched (laughs) sure when you, um, when you live in the country, you just porch sit. <laughs> I saw one guy, I was, I was I'm reading reviews about this, and I saw one, one guy point out that he's sitting on the porch doing nothing, wearing his work gloves. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> also, the guy that plays his dad looks like he's about 35. Yeah. With like spray on gray hair. Yeah, maybe like a few years older than him. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, like Hunter's like kind of standing out in front of them and he's talking to his parents and then his idiot friends, they keep dropping like these one-liners and like every time it would go back and forth to like either Hunter and his or, or his parents up on the porch and then it would shoot back to all these assholes standing in front of the van and like, yeah, one of those like like side-to-side shots, like it's a fucking music video. Um, it's just ridiculous and then they go and they like they have a dance party in 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 the barn for some reason barn dance but where who the fuck are these people and they're all very very well trained dancers by the way oh yeah it's very well choreographed it's like a fucking usher video yeah again yeah again like a fucking music video it's Absurd. And who are all the rest of these people? Where did they come from? Right? There's just some fucking yokels from Michigan that just happened to show up. Were they his childhood friends or something? You know, if I invited people to a fucking barn dance in Enumclaw, no one is showing up to that. Fuck no. <laughs> Mainly because Enumclaw is a bitch to get to. Yeah, you don't think this place that they're at is a fucking bitch to get to? <laughs> 
But yeah, it's like it's not like on the barn floor. It's like up in the the hay ba- uh, hayloft. They're having this fucking dance party, which is just silly. Like I didn't understand the logic behind that. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know. And then, then this like this is probably a good half hour, forty five minutes into the movie. That's when the killer shows up. Actually, I guess the movie did open up with some... Yeah, there was a cold open. Yeah, some random girl walking her dog, and she gets fishing hooks to the face and then dies. Is that what was in her face? Yeah. Okay, I was trying to figure out what was going on with her face. It looked like that, the the girl from uh, Hellraiser with like the mm. wires <laughs> hanging out of her face. But, like, did something happen to her? Did I completely space? I assume she got dead. Wow. She got pitchforked. Okay. But yeah, so you, the, our, our, I guess, titular villain shows up, who is like the most underwhelming fucking killer I've ever seen. He's wearing what looks like a teddy bear head on his face. <laughs> yep. um, and he's wearing like shorts. And like ripped, like, oh, they almost look like slacks. Okay, maybe. But like capri length. Yeah. And he's got a pitchfork where his hand should go. Yeah, and that is never explained. No, it's never explained and he like he kills about 3 or 4 people before he actually uses it. <laughs> this guy has a fucking built-in weapon and he doesn't use it to kill people. He prefers to th- like hit or throw and a- hit people with or throw an axe. Yeah. It's absurd. It boggles the mind. Um, yeah, and so the acting in this is awful. He also, like, he makes noises. Yeah. He, he doesn't like, talk, but he'll be like... <laughs> Sounds like Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> yeah, so he does that. That was my mother's name. <laughs> <laughs> So he does that shit, and he pants like a fucking dog, um, and he kills people. And at one point, he makes a girl suck his pitchfork. Right. Um, And then humps her face. Yeah, he doesn't pull his dick out. He just humps it. Humps her face. Um, And what was weird about that scene is that it was like, they cut to it, and he was humping her face. And it's like, what? (laughs) Where what is happening right now? Yeah, it it seems like he's like sexually repressed. Yeah, and then, but none of this gets explained. There's no, no explanation to why. I mean, there's a little bit of explanation as to why he is sort of, sort of, yeah. Um, but it's it's a bit of a reach. But <laughs> like, why he can't talk? Why he ha- fucking has a pitchfork for a hand? That giant plot device? Yeah, never explained. It's the fucking title of the movie. Yeah. And you don't know why. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, so he basically offs all of these people. Like, uh, I don't, it's mainly just the, like, the main characters, like Hunter and his friends. Like, they're just getting killed. And everybody else just kind of bails. But when, when does that happen? They had probably a, at least a dozen other people there at their party who just, disappeared like this suddenly weren't there anymore it's almost like whoever wrote this forgot there were other people there 
Uh, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something. Not that I can recall. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they keep splitting up. Like they're running around like fucking chickens with their head cut off from this one guy who's not like, he's not like a Jason, like where he's like some undead hulking thing uh, who seems to be unstoppable. It's some skinny little shit with a pitchfork on his hand. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot to him. So what I couldn't wrap my mind around, especially near the end when there's like only a few of them left, they're all together. It's not like they're, you know, they've been separated. They're all together. And one guy, like the, the pitchfork comes up and he's like standing in front of him. And one guy steps up and he grabs like a metal rod or something and says, you guys run. It's like, what? No. There are three of Gang us. Rush him. We could kick his ass. Let's just beat him up right now. Yeah. But no, they fucking bail. And this dude, of course, gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> I got with one hand. It's like I'm watching this thinking, dude, okay, Mr. Ryder Man, have you seen a horror movie before? Do you understand how they're done? Because I don't think you have. <laughs> this uh, was nonsense. It was almost like whoever wrote this, and I, I don't know, maybe it was the same guy who directed it that wrote it. Um, let me see if I can find out. Right quick. Okay, see, so he co-wrote it uh, with his producer. Okay. Um, yeah, so, it, it, like, I'm seriously watching this thinking, did you guys just, like hear parts about other horror movies and try to put them all together into something coherent because it didn't work. <laughs> like it's a slasher. And then later on, it's like some, <clears throat> some kind of crazy religious zealots, uh, or like a, like a Texas chainsaw type thing. Yeah. It's like it jump, it bounced around to so many different fucking themes. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What what got me about the the religious zealots you were talking about is they're the neighbors, I guess. Yeah, and they go to, they go to their house, and Hunter's like, "Don't worry, I know these people." And then these people fucking drug them. Yeah, and like are singing about killing them. Yeah, I'm like I thought he knew these people. Yeah, it's like the um, with the the Holistons. That's what their name was. Hollister, I think. Hollister. Right, Hollister. Um, he, uh, the, the the mom, she like, all of a sudden she starts seeing, uh, he's got the whole world in his hand. Yeah, like she's Bray Wyatt. Is she, is, what, is he seeing that? Yeah. Why? Oh, it's creepy when he does it. When she did it, I don't know, it just. It was out of nowhere. It made no sense. Yeah. What prompted this? <laughs> I don't know. And then the husband's just like dancing. Yeah. He's grooving to it. Looked like fucking redneck, greasy Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Jesus Christ. And you know what baffled me is that I saw on so many different horror sites that this was like the next generation of of good uh, slasher horror. It's like, I, did you watch a different movie? Am I, am I missing something? That they saw, like the the 
character of uh, Pitchfork, I guess, for lack of a better name, um, th- there's promise there. But the way that it's written is just, like you said, it's it's like this hodgepodge of all these different movies. You've got, you know, parts of it feel like a Jason movie, parts of it feel like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's just, it's all over the place and it, it doesn't flow no, it doesn't. Plus, at all. the look of this movie is so weird and not fit for a horror movie. Yeah. It's very bright, very well lit. All the colors are like fluorescent. Yeah, like I said, it's shot like a fucking music. Video. It's very clean looking. You don't have that kind of grimy look of you know a Rob Zombie movie or a Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. movie, or it's like you know a lot of because nobody really f- films on film anymore. Like they don't actually film on celluloid all digital a lot of directors will try to or directors slash cinematographers they will attempt to kind of recreate a film look yeah reducing their um their frame speed or doing it in post just try to add a little bit of that that grain sort of that just take the sharpness out of it to try and recreate a film look to some degree they didn't do that with this well, this especially like the it was scenes, shot on an iPhone. Especially the scenes like in, you know, in the Hollister house when, you know, they're like in a basement and it's but at the same time the walls are like bright pink. It looked like a like a like a finished basement. Yeah. Like somebody like that's a rec room. Well, like I can understand having like <laughs> the first half of the movie being, you know, very clean and, you know, happy looking because that's the the point is you're setting up this happiness so that you can tear it down with this horror. Yeah. But the whole movie is just so clean looking and well lit and did not look like a, did not have the look of a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, God. The end was so anticlimactic. It really was. It, it was dumb. Like, it didn't make a, any fucking sense. Yeah. It was just like, okay, now that happened. Yeah. And, you know, there's a point where um, Hunter, he gets two, a, a knife through each of his hands and his hands are like, like, nailed essentially down to this table he said like he can't get him off when it counts (laughs) but as soon as he like absolutely needs to he suddenly manages to get his hands loose out of the table and then stabs his stabs the knives into this person's head and then says take two aspirin and call me in the morning (laughs) what the fuck terrible line terrible line it's like that would have been dumb if your character was a doctor but you're not a doctor, so it's even worse. Yeah. Oh, my God. And CGI blood. So much CGI blood in this fucking movie. Yeah. Like, the cheapest thing you could possibly put... Like, when, when, you're, when you're budgeting a horror movie, probably one of the cheapest things you can have on your budget is fake blood. And they instead went the CGI route. <laughs> yeah. And it's like there was, like, copious amounts of it either. No. I mean, there, there were... There was obviously fake blood. I mean. Yeah, but it was more for using like on people. Yeah. But when it was like a splatter effect, it was clearly CGI. Yeah. And it looked so bad. Yeah. I mean. It looked so fake. It's like the easiest fucking thing you can do is make a squib. Like that's the easiest special effect in the world. Let me explain. I'll explain to you in like less than a minute how to make a squib. You take a small piece of wood, you take a firecracker, you take a condom full of fake blood, and you 
link the firecracker to an electrical charge. Then you hit the button and pop. That's how you make a squib. Oh. Yeah, it's I, easy. I didn't know that. It's really fucking easy and really inexpensive, and they didn't even fucking do it. But what about like squibs that people wear? Yeah, you wear that. With a firecracker on it? That's why you put the piece of wood behind it. Oh. Or if you feel more comfortable, you can take a sheet of metal. Interesting. Yeah. Really simple. This is like 101 shit. <laughs> this is day one stuff, man. Bush League. Yeah, when whenever it's like a CGI squib, it always looks like somebody holding a ketchup bottle and just squeezing it really hard. Because it's just yeah. like the stream. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how it... I mean, I, I've heard that's not how it happens. Yeah. <sighs> There's just everything bad about this. There's nothing redeeming. Uh, like... I could I could stretch it and say that the idea of the villain pitchfork had potential. Mm-hmm. And you said that, but beyond that, like the actual execution of it was awful, and everything about this was bad. This this didn't have any redeeming qualities to me or for me. <laughs> Thoughts. Uh, I thought some of the effects were okay. Um, most of them were not. Sure. Uh, and like I said, yeah, like I said, I think, I do think the idea of Pitchfork, if it had been executed better, could have been very interesting. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about on the show before how you don't want to give a, a horror villain too much backstory. Sure. But at the very minimum, an explanation of what happened to his hand would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if his, well, I think it's revealing a little much, but, um, it, yeah, even even if like the explanation was, oh, we cut it off and then we replaced it with a pitchfork, like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, for all we know, it was bitten off by a bull. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Yeah, it just is. and he just saw a pitchfork. It was like that kind of looks like a hand, right? Stubbed it, shoved it in his in his stub. Yeah, it's just like maybe he did it to himself because he's crazy or something. Yeah, <laughs> fucking anything. He, he could have chewed it off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just oh god, and I mean, the 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 like the the sexual repression of him was like, what is the point of this? Yeah, it didn't go anywhere. Because um, it's really only with that one girl. He ties her up and he's like sniffing her. And like I said, trying to make her suck his pitchfork. Right. <laughs> suck my fork. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then humping her face. That was so b- bizarre. <laughs> um, And then getting like really mad when she wouldn't do anything. And just being like, Fuck <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I read all this stuff <clears throat> before seeing it, and it's what prompted me to want to watch it in the first place, was just, like, all these genre sites insisting that this is, like, the the, the next big wave of slashers. It's like, this is going to be the next, this is going to be 
what we enjoy slasher wise going into the future. I mean that that kind of stuff, and it's just like I hope not. Yeah, it's like God damn it. Like I'm I'm dreading the future if this is the case. Like you know you can say oh they just don't they're not open to new slashers, but that's bullshit because like fucking Hatchet was amazing. Hatchet was great. Yeah, uh, Leslie Vernon or you know behind the mask was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm completely open to new slashers. I welcome new slashers because I don't, I think it's not getting the, that, that subgenre is not getting the attention it deserves. Um, what was that movie we watched? It took place in the eighties. It was super fucking corny, but it was kind of all right. Uh, Lost After Dark. That one. Yeah. That was, that was fine. Yeah. That was, that was a fun movie. Yeah. Um, and like that, what, that's what this should have been because it was, it was almost like it being super cheese dick was on purpose, but that one was super cheesy and it worked. So this one didn't feel cheesy though. Like, I mean, it didn't feel like they, like it was intentionally. No. Cheesy. Yeah. It definitely wasn't on purpose. It was just bad acting and poor direction. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe if they had embraced the cheesiness of it, they could have gone a different way and actually made it entertaining. Yeah. There's this one part where like it's, it's the very beginning. Um, they pull over into this field and you think, okay, they've gotten to their destination, but no, they just pull over. <laughs> they walk out into the middle of this field and they're all standing there. Like they're fucking posing like superheroes. Um, and like hunters like saying, okay, you know, we're going to my family farm. He's going to give him a pep talk. Yeah. He's like, all right, team, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the family farm or we're going to tell my parents that I'm gay. Um, Hands in. <laughs> And so he's like basically talking to him and then like like hear this scream that fades into the sound of like a flock of birds flying away out of like out of a tree. Um and seriously, they're standing there in like a triangle shape. Like a like a point towards yeah. the and they're they're fucking posing like they're the Power Rangers. <laughs> like one of them actually even like runs up to the front of this point that they're making and she's like standing there and posing and saying, what was that? It's like, this is the beginning of the movie. I'm like, oh Christ, what did I do? (laughs) What am I in for? And it's like, okay, well maybe this is just kind of like, you know, just a poor start, but no, is the entire fucking movie like this. (sighs) I felt vindicated though because I once I actually read into like like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb terrible reviews. Yeah. Like I think it has like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got like 2 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I saw a couple on IMDb and one guy one guy said if you don't know how to make a movie, don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like I don't know if this guy was like a fan of horror and just tried his hand at it. And if that's the case, then I can admire it. Even though the movie was awful, like I'll say, okay, good for you. You know, you're, you love horror and you wanted to see what you could do. Good for you. But honestly, this didn't feel like that. This felt like this guy's like, Oh, well, horror movies are super popular right now. I'll make a horror movie. It's kind of like, um, if, a musician who just can't seem to make it big. Like if, if a guy like, let's say he's like an alternative rock guy and he just can't get his career off the ground. 
he wants to make some money, so he decides to do, start doing country music because everybody can fucking do country music. I feel like that's what this director thought about horror. It's like, anybody can do fucking horror movie. I'll make some money. I mean, maybe he wasn't so, you know, prickish about it. But, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, oh, I really want to make a movie, and, you know, horror looks easy enough. It's like, well, joke's on you, fucker. <laughs> The, like the how you talked about how they you know stood like in a point and they all kind of posed. That's every movement in this film feels so deliberate. Yeah, it just, it, it feels staged. It feels like, fake. Yeah, like it was. It feels like it was written into the script, and they played it played out every single movement according to the yeah. script. It's like this is your mark. You have to go right here. If you go a step yeah. over, we're doing it again. Right. That's exactly it. And you know. Being that the director was a choreographer, and you know when you're when you're a dancer, you hit you hit those you marks. Hit your marks, yeah. So I I have to imagine that's probably how he was directing. It's like no no no, that's you know you, you step forward too far or you're you're not standing how I want you to stand. Do it yeah. again. But horror is all about chaos. Yeah, there there's got to be some flexibility in horror. I think minimal direction is key. Yeah. So. So, um, I think I'm done. <laughs> this movie was hot garbage, and I, I usually don't like being so brutal, but this movie was really bad. It. Well, I'm not gonna. I don't want to defend it because I didn't like it, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't feel. I feel hot garbage is a little, a little much. Oh, whatever, dude. <laughs> Maybe just wet garbage. <laughs> wet garbage. <laughs> but just the the look of it is so wrong for horror, mm -hmm. and the acting is just so over the top and deliberate, and everything about it feels fake. Like I said, the dad is looks like he's thirty years old with spray on gray hair. Oh yeah, and Pitchfork kidnaps his dad and straps into a table and starts like cutting into him. He he seems like he's pretty fucked up, but don't really know exactly why. Just aside from his his leg being cut open and dug at, but it's like, <laughs> he Hunter finds him, and he's like, "Okay, Dad, I'm I, I I'm gonna get you out of here." And he's just like, "No, I'm dead." <laughs> it's like, just kill me. He's like, "What? I'm not gonna do that." And this dude is seriously like, you know, in so many words, he's like, "Stop being a pussy." Just kill me. And then he does it. Sorry, spoiler alert, but that's what happens. He just, he seriously, he, he, he shoves a knife in, into his dad's chest and kills him because his dad told him to be a man. Are you fucking joking? You killed a man for no reason. <laughs> You're worse than fucking bitch for it. <laughs> it's like, your dad probably could have been all right if you would have gotten him out of there, but No. <laughs> And nobody fucking tries to leave, by the way. It, like, when he first gets there, his dad is like, I can't believe my son's a failure. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, the the director, he's, he's gay. So I felt like a lot of this was probably like, either something that he experienced in real life, or maybe like his overblown little, recollection little of cathartic. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, not maybe he had the worst coming out ever. I don't know, but um, oh, and he was also. Do you remember that show, Brooke Knows Best, with Brooke, Brooke Hogan? Hogan? Yeah. yeah, the director was her roommate on that show. Her roommate. I don't remember that. I never watched it, but I looked into it. He was her roommate. Hmm. Yeah. Remember when Nick Hogan killed a guy? What? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. He got charged with vehicular homicide. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Man, that family's fucked. <laughs> Actually, I think Brooke's probably doing all right. I don't know what Brooke's doing now. <laughs> that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Hulk's still banned from WWE, but that's supposed Is he really? To, yeah. <laughs> they're apparently, like, wavering on that. Oh. Why is he? Because he's racist? Yeah. Ah. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm done with this. Uh, two. <laughs> uh, I'll go three. Okay. It can always depend on Taylor to be a little kinder than I am. Not always. For the most part. So, that's going to do it. We got nothing else. That's the end of our show. Yep. So, bye. bye. <laughs> um, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks where we're going to be doing the fir- like our first official theme episode. Uh, we'll be Our episode will be airing a day after Valentine's Day, so we're going to be doing a Valentine's Day episode where we are going to be doing, or we're going to be watching the original and remake version of My Bloody Valentine. Yep. And I haven't seen either one in a very long time, so I'm kind of excited for that one. I only saw the the remake once, like when it first came out. I haven't seen it since. So. Mm. Um, and I haven't seen the original, fuck, 20 years maybe. Really that long? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say I was probably in my early 20s when I saw it. Um, But yeah. So looking forward to that. Um, hope you guys are too. Uh, we'll catch up with you in a couple weeks. But until then, Taylor, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com with links to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, uh, as well to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, whatever you like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, if you'd like to become a Patreon patron and get your, get access to a bunch of kind of neat perks, stickers mainly. Yeah, free stickers. Well, I mean, not free. But. And you get to see more of our stupid faces. Um, go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast, and we have... Per- well, you're better at this. What, do you, what am I doing? Um, yeah, uh, $1 gets you access to the Patreon-only feed, which will soon feature Patreon-exclusive reviews, uh, as well as a complimentary sticker. Uh, $5 gets you... You'll be able to uh, join in, in our Patreon picks, where you get to pick the movies, which we're both fucking dreading. we haven't scheduled that episode yet no but we will be yeah we're gonna do at least one this this year um kind of depends on what the schedule looks like if nothing cool is coming out we'll just be like what what do you guys want to see yeah fuck it (laughs) and then uh there's ten dollar and twenty dollar perks which uh go towards our short films which we need to do one of those too yeah we missed halloween and so we said oh we'll do it for christmas and then we missed christmas so yeah we'll get something at some point yeah we're we are going to do one this year and then we hope to get back on schedule for halloween that is the hope yes um oh and yeah the 15 dollar perk 
which is available, I believe, right? No, I don't think so. I think we just have 10 and 20 right now. Oh, okay. Well, there's going to be a fifteen because you got to design the shirt. I do. I do. I need to design the shirt. I sh- I'm trying to come up with a good design for you guys. Um, so once I do that, then you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.